Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one for 31 years, mom to eight, nana to six, and 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. I am really excited that you're here today. This topic is a little bit sober. Um, You know, it's something that's been on my heart for several months, actually, and it feels like something that no one is talking about. You know, we've got so much going on, and yet I'm watching the children, and I'm watching parents struggle with the different ways that what's happening is affecting their children. And I just think it's time to talk about it and point some things out and then, of course, go back to the scriptures because God has something to say about everything and we can trust Him. He is the truth. He He's the truth teller. He is where truth comes from. And in a world that's really lacking the truth, I love that we can go to God's Word and be encouraged and strengthened, and that's what we're going to do today. But before I get started, I just want to mention to you, if you haven't checked out my simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I encourage you to go and do that right now. It's on Amazon. And I know that there are a lot of new homeschoolers out there, and there are always people listening in the audience who haven't read my book. Maybe they're following me. Maybe you're following me, but you've never actually read that little book. I would encourage you to do that. It's amazing how God has used that. It's not because I'm so great. It's because He is so great and just laid a message on my heart, and I walked it out with our kids, and I'm. my hope is just to to reach back and to help other moms who are a little bit behind me in the journey and and just help you along and lift you up. So go check that out. Also, I have a devotional called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It is written especially for moms, but especially, especially for homeschool moms. I think you'll love it. It's really encouraging. It's just me sharing a lot of um, things that God showed me along the way in His Word that apply to motherhood and to homeschooling. So go check that out. It's on Amazon as well. Lastly, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, um, please go and subscribe to my website so you won't miss out on any of the latest podcasts or posts. Um, You will also receive a link to listen to the audio version of The Unhurried Homeschooler for free. So let's dive into this topic. Over the years... And especially over the last several months, I have found myself sick to my stomach at times by the lack of care and concern for the children in our society, by culture in general. So today, I want to talk about the cultural attack on children and why we must protect them. In all the blustering on the news and social media, I hear very little about how the many things happening around us are affecting our children. I have to ask myself, why? Why are the children being ignored? Homeschooling may allow our kids to be protected from a certain amount that's going on, but I care about other people's children as well. And I know other homeschooling uh, parents do as well. 
I've been a mom for over 29 years, uh, eight kids, and I am appalled at what is being taken away from the next generation. Who is speaking on their behalf? Certainly not most politicians or the media. In fact, I'm going to be bold and say that even many church leaders are not thinking about the next generation. So what message are we sending our children? Are we willing to risk traumatizing them all for the sake of safety and security? I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to do that. Whether it's educational decisions, physical decisions, spiritual decisions, mental or emotional decisions, there are many who would say that as parents, we don't have the right to make the final decisions when it comes to our children. We are continually being sent a clear message that we don't know what's best and that we're being irresponsible by not forcing something that some feel is necessary or vice versa. Nothing could be further from the truth. As believers, we are called to obey God as the ultimate authority. And according to His Word, parents are the ones who are called to raise their children. They are called to protect them and make the decisions that they believe are best for them. However, we have been told in passive and obvious ways by our culture for decades now that we are stupid and powerless and that our children are too much for us and we need the experts to step in. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to getting help from the experts. They can be a huge blessing. But It's a parent's right to decide if that help is in the best interest of their child. The message of parental ineptness becomes overwhelmingly clear when the powers that be start to force things on us that we don't want for our children. We are facing an onslaught of attacks on parental rights with more on the horizon. This is a form of persecution, but what we need to understand is that God uses difficulty and opposition to wake us up. Christians have been too comfortable for too long, and we have become complacent. Parents began to abdicate their God-given role in their kids' lives many years back, and one of the biggest ways in which that has happened is through education. When we hand our kids over to someone else for that many hours a week with essentially no real accountability, we can expect a fallout of some sort. As far as God is concerned, nothing has ever changed. Our responsibilities before Him as our children's parents are the same as they always have been. Once we abdicate that much to the powers that be, it is very very difficult to get it back. It's important to recognize that an attack on parental rights is a spiritual battle. Why do I think that? A quick look at biblical history reveals that Satan always goes after the most vulnerable, and he has always gone after the children because he knows how deeply that impacts the future. Remember the story of Moses? God's people were slaves in Egypt and had grown greatly in number. Pharaoh was worried that they would rebel and take over his kingdom. So what did he do? 
He had all the male babies and toddlers under two years old thrown into the Nile River because he was terrified the Israelites would become too powerful. In other words, that God's people would become too powerful. When Jesus was born, King Herod heard from the Magi that Messiah, the Messiah had been born. He too was afraid of losing his crown. So he had all baby boys under two killed. When wicked leaders see the potential of the impact and power of God's people, they realize the immediate threat to their quote-unquote kingdom, and they want to regain control. And they will stop at nothing. You've heard the saying that history repeats itself. It's important to recognize these patterns and how they might be unfolding in our own culture. We do that by looking at the commonalities in their behavior and hold it up to what we are currently experiencing. So, how did these leaders attempt to maintain and advance their powerful kingdoms? Four ways. Number one, they kept the people of God convinced that they were less in number and weaker in power than they actually were. You could liken this to a type of media warfare. They convinced them that they were no longer relevant to keep them marginalized and to hold them captive. Number two, they kept them focused on building things that are neither eternal nor in line with their actual purpose in the world. In other words, they distracted them from their true purpose, which was to bring glory to God. Number three, they threatened them. In other words, they said, we will make you miserable. It is akin to bullying. Number four, they went after their children because they knew if they went after their children, they were also stealing their future. Now, I want you to go back through those four things. I'm going to go back through these four things with you. And while I'm doing that, I want you to ask yourself if you're hearing anything that resembles what is happening in our current circumstances. Number one, these evil leaders kept the people of God convinced that they were less in number and weaker in power than they actually were. I said earlier, you could liken this to a type of uh, media warfare. Um, they, they basically convinced them that they were no longer relevant to keep them marginalized and hold them captive. So these, these powers that be convinced the people of God that they were no longer relevant to keep them marginalized and to hold them captive. Isaiah 61.1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Moms, dads, we are sons and daughters of the Most High, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We are not insignificant. We are image bearers called to bring the gospel of salvation to the world. We are the truth tellers 
The enemy knows this, so he loves to make us believe otherwise and keep us from being effective. So what is the second thing that these evil leaders do that has been very, very effective in the past? They keep the people of God focused on building things that are neither eternal nor in line with their actual purpose in the world. In other words, they distracted the people of God from their true purpose, which was to bring glory to God. There's a logical fallacy called the red herring fallacy. And it's when someone presents an irrelevant piece of information in an attempt to distract their opponent and the audience from the topic that is being discussed or shift the discussion in a new direction. In other words, let's talk about anything but the elephant in the room. So what does God have to say about this? In Mark 4, Jesus was telling the story about the farmer and highlighting the sowing and reaping concept. At one point, he talks about one particular seed that never bore any fruit because the person was distracted from the truth. Verse 18 says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. It's an attempt to distract us from our calling. Number three, what do these evil leaders do? They threatened the people of God. In other words, we will make you miserable. Like I said before, it's akin to bullying. Is anybody feeling bullied right now? What does God have to say about this? In Deuteronomy 31.6, God is talking to his people who were facing enemies that seemed overwhelming. And here's what he had to say. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I think of that other verse that says, if God is for us, who is against us? Ephesians 6.12 also says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So these threats we're hearing, they are part of the spiritual warfare that is going on. And If you know Christ and he lives in you, like I said earlier, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We do not need to succumb to bullying. And number four, these evil leaders went after the children of the people of God because they knew that if they went after their children, they were also stealing their future. God calls us to protect the children. Psalm 81.4 says, Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This is our job. Matthew 18.10 says not to despise these little ones. 
And in Lamentations, God's people were instructed to do this, arise and cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord, lift your hands to him for the lives of your children. Finally, in Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12, it says, we are warned. It doesn't say that. I'm saying we, it's talking about um, not ignoring your parental instincts to protect your children. It says this, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we didn't know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? It is imperative that we do not ignore what God is laying on our hearts. Be bold. Be courageous. Be warriors, because we aren't just fighting for our children. We are fighting for our grandchildren and generations to come. I want you to say with me, we will not be marginalized. We will not be distracted. We will not be intimidated. We will not ever stop fighting for our children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are our example. You protect us. You watch over us. You protect and watch over our children. You have called us to protect our children. So we are not doing this alone. God, you are right there with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. God, would you pour your wisdom into our hearts that we would hear what you would have us to do and how we can work on behalf of our children and our grandchildren in this day, in this age, with what's going on around us. God, may we be found faithful to protect the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen.